welcome to another Airbike podcast. Today is Alex, Stephen Ross around the mics, and it's a special day in the Airbike office today, actually. Big day, big day. What's the day today, Steve? Today marks the two-year anniversary of when I came on board full-time Airbike. Nice. And, yes, that's a call for a celebration. That's a call for a podcast celebration, because that's how we celebrate big events, apparently. That's right. Today's podcast is just going to kind of chat about the two years, um, learnings, you know, what you've enjoyed, what you haven't quite enjoyed, and maybe just a brief history of what what you're kind of doing before then professionally and and how you took the leap to, to you know full time at Airbyte. So I'll kick things off and just say um, a little bit of a backstory if if you if you'd like to what where were you working before you know two years and yep. two weeks ago where, what were you doing uh so i was um <laughs> working in a startup <laughs> called my drive um my position there was mobile lead and i was kind of handing up the mobile apps that my drive built well my drive in itself is a platform to connect learner drivers with driving instructors um it kind of sits in the middle and new learners come and register through the site and then uh, my drive hooks them up with an instructor in their local area based on a number of factors like good reviews, um, good feedback, whether they're a right fit for the learner. And uh, yeah, so they sit in the middle and they offered about three or four different mobile app offerings. Um, one of them was a theory test for learner drivers to practice their theory and play head to head with other friends. Uh, one of them was for the my drive instructors to um, kind of manage their schedule and to give feedback to the learner um, after a lesson. Uh, they had a, a learner app as well, which allowed learner drivers to know where they are uh, kind of progress-wise from when they started to when they're going to take their test. And how long were you there for? I was, yeah, I was, I was contracting with them before I actually joined full-time. All right. um, so I've been working with them since September, October 2015. So yeah, it's worth mentioning that for Airbyte, you've obviously been two years, as we just mentioned, but the company's been around for how long? Four and a half years. Yeah. Four and a half years. Yeah. And and that kind of does that kind of overlap with your kind of contracting work, as it you mentioned at the time? It does, yeah. Um, whilst me, kind of me, and, me and Ross were working in full-time positions, uh, we started to kind of do a bit of consulting out of hours um, through Airbyte. Nice. So what made you kind of take that plunge then from, from working on MyDrive to wanting to, to do contract work or, you know, client work full-time for Airbyte? Um, and was that was that the case? Was that the kind of vision at the time? Good question. I, I think uh, it was more to do with building Airbyte up as an entity I think it was always like a mm, like like a, at a level and I wanted to take it up a notch and kind of go full time and try and it, it was kind of a we always wanted to do it so yeah. why not do it now sort of situation at my drive I kind of I'd done what I wanted to do there I'd built quite a few of the apps I've learnt loads over that period of working there full time um, 
I didn't think there was enough there to keep me interested. Uh, so it was a good timing in my career anyway to kind of take the leap and go full time. Sure. So it doesn't sound like it was a hard decision to make, or did I, th I think the hardest part was making sure we had work. Yeah. Once I left, um, and that was the trickiest. Yeah. There, there was a long, quite a bit of negotiation. Um, mm towards the period where, that, where I was thinking of leaving um, to, to make sure that there was a contract lined up yeah, kind of on the day that I left. So, so yeah, that kind of leads me on to my next question, which is how did you weigh up the risk of leaving your kind of full-time job? I, I felt quite a bit of risk whilst I was at that company anyway, really. I think I think the, the risk started <laughs> when I left uh, the previous one before my drive, which was Ditch Agency. Um, and I and I joined a kind of a smallish startup. Um, it's funny you say that though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, um, yeah. Because of I I stayed on at that same company, but it turned out that that wasn't actually that secure because they ended up closing the Reading office anyway. Um, so effectively, it was like either work in London, where obviously there's lots more opportunity, lots more job prospects, um, or leave. So even though Steve kind of made a riskier option there it turned out mm -hmm. quite tight you obviously yeah. would have known would have known but it turned out that it w wasn't actually the riskier option yeah and uh yeah i think the risk reward factor was reward factor was i wanted to work on uh, my own stuff and build the business here mm -hmm. uh and i wanted to make as less a risk as possible which was why we lined up the contract um to make sure that there was a secure income um, rather than having a period of uncertainty. Nice. And how long was the contract? Uh, our first contract was about four or five months. So quite a kind of healthy, healthy chunk of work. It, I, I, say it <laughs> I say it was a less of a risk. I think it was, it was a big risk taking on that product. Yeah. Um, it was kind of there was a lot of work to do um and we had to get quite a f few of us involved in it yeah um we had to line up some external resource uh, to help us yeah and th there was a lot of stuff involved in that project and it was yeah it was very stressful all right but I enjoyed it a lot yeah so you're kind of you're helping me out here a lot you're you're leading me on to these next questions <laughs> um so you weren't solo at airbike for long then no, or were, no, you, were you ever solo full time? No, but no, not really. I mean, Ross was always there. Yeah. Um, Piers was there. Um, and then I think maybe a month after that, in kind of August time, we had two contractors working with us as well. So it was never, it, I never really felt on my own. And did um, you feel like you were kind of managing a team then? I, it wasn't really managing was it quite a kind of flat you were just kind of pulling in together yeah yeah but I, I would say that there needed to be someone who was you know in in who had all the knowledge mm. of that project yeah. and that was Steve um, and that's you know he was he took ownership of that role and, and did it really well yeah I think it helped one of us being in I don't want to be like a big um, saying name for sort of like in the trenches you know like <laughs> so someone I hate this term but as someone who uh, was on the project like full time mm -hmm. and knew what was going on, the state of the project, where we were, um, and that helped a lot with knowing 
whatever and had to do in different stages. Mm-hmm. I think everyone, everyone else was kind of part-time doing after hours. Yeah. Even the contractors were doing after hours. So we had to make sure that uh, everyone knew kind of what they yeah. w- had to do by the evening. Yeah, because there would be like natural blockers in the project and Steve had the... Uh, he was the only person responsible for getting those blockers out of the way and making sure everyone had the information they needed because as Steve said, there was limited time for all these contractors. So he had to make it as efficient as possible so that whenever someone was picking up the project, um, they had all the information they needed. And at what point in that project did you, Ross, join full-time to air start Airbike? Um, well, it, I actually technically didn't start that project until near the end. I uh, technically didn't join Airbike full-time until near the end of that project. Mm-hmm. I was working basically nights doing that project pretty much full-time at the same time as my other job. Um, and it wasn't until near the end that I managed to join. And, and by that point, yeah, we were kind of over the hill in terms of that project and it was just getting it ready for launch, which thankfully the project went quite well, so it wasn't too much of a taxing task to do that. Nice, and you kind of had some work lined up after that where you were getting some some leads in? Yeah, I mean, we, we both worked in um, agency prior to us um, starting Airbyte as well, so we, we had some work and connections there from them, so we got uh, quite a bit of work referred to us by them and I had some contracting stuff um, from my previous job as well um, and yeah it was it was around the time we, we had a bit of not time to well maybe a bit of time to sit back and think about how we should approach clients and mm. how we should take on more clients and that was kind of the period after that first project where we had a bit of time to breathe a little bit and focus on what we wanted to do yeah well at that time obviously we didn't have an office um we had salaries but they you know they were fairly um low to kind of keep our overheads as low as possible so we got that freedom because i think one of the key things we were always always had in our mind is let's try and make this last as long as possible let's try and give ourselves as much runway as possible so that if we do struggle to find a client after client a um we you know we've got time Mm -hmm. if you did not have that kind of prior agency experience and contact how would you have gone about getting your first first clients off this big contract work um i think using well, we, we, we continued to work with that client A for quite a long period after it launched. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were still doing features and um, maintaining it for quite a long period after, which provided a good income. The other stuff was kind of almost bonuses at that point. Um, and But then they led to more yeah. additional work. And I think if we didn't have the networking or connections in the agency space, um, I think we would have done a similar model to how we got kind of client A just being in the right place as, as we as we kind of do now going to the network events and making sure that we're kind of represented okay so looking back on the two years now so now we're looking back over the whole time period what kind of projects have you enjoyed the most i think that first project was exciting it, because of the unknowns there was a lot of unknowns when we did the project which made the learning curve pretty steep but that was kind of quite enjoyable, I think, because um, it was, I think the one of the things that I've learned over the past couple of years is 
the more client work you work on, the more you have to think about in terms of there's lots of pots going on and lots of stirring you have to do, lots of plates you yeah. have to spin. Whereas if you just work on one, one client project, then that's the only focus that you have. Um, and that, that, that was that was a bit more clarity around it. Whereas like now, if we pick up uh, a product, then we've got like a whole stack of other clients that we've worked with. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And obviously managing projects, managing potential clients. So obviously you can't give your whole entire 100% focus to one one project. I do, but in, in time slots. Yeah, of course. But yeah, it's difficult to uh, manage that. Per- so yeah, for, for me personally, it's about being really ambitious. So, you know, um, Project A, you know, when you t- told it to people, they would be like really blown away by what you, what we achieved in that time frame. And I think um, it's a testament to kind of how we work. We, we, we can be really focused and um, really efficient with our time. And I think that's you know always been kind of a an attribute of airbyte and i think it's those type of projects that really excite me like where we can look back and be really proud of what we achieved in a short amount of time or with limited resources i think um really enjoyed working on one of our clients squad goose because they use their platform kind of day in day out and it's pretty exciting to see what they continue to to work on um they work on some huge sort of deals and events that they that they run and it's just yeah it's good to be part of that and it's pretty inspiring so I, I like working on that yeah of course it's always good to work on on a product or a project that you know a lot of that has a lot of users yeah well that's what kind of big companies draw draw talent in saying you know your work's going to be used by thousands millions of users or whatever yeah so after hearing the kind of projects you've enjoyed, what elements of operating over the past couple of years haven't you really enjoyed and that you wish you know, you could spend less time on going forward? I think projects that we don't have as much influence in as we need to or we should. Um, ones where we are uh, not like a... Um, like bottom of the food chain? Yeah, pretty much. Good on Alex's phrase. <laughs> um, Patent pending. Yeah, I, I think development. We're, we're not just a development house, and I get frustrated when um, we work on products or projects that we feel like we're not having as much influence over, or we're not being listened to. And yeah, like Ross says, we're at the bottom of the food yeah. chain, being treated as a kind of commodity development resource. Yeah, rather than. Know, talented development team who XYZ yeah and, and I think we we've worked on I don't know how many of like 20 plus products I think over the last two two years and well uh, if you think about like the experience that we've got by working on these different <laughs> uh, products compared to the average average Joe I think that that should be treated with respect and um there should be a lot more uh, like what are your thoughts on this are we going in the right direction there should be a lot more involvement with us on that, that side of things yeah. yeah and that's yeah that kind of goes into the whole consulting thing which we can maybe touch upon later 
So, Ross, I believe we have a uh, audience question. Yeah, coming. so Ian uh, sent us a question the other day. Shout out. Thanks, Ian. Um, Thanks, and it's it's kind of it's quite specific, but I think we can generalize it a bit. So he asked, if you were to develop a brand identity again uh, from scratch, what would you do differently? That's a great question. So, yeah, if, and, and maybe taking that a bit more general is to like, what, what would you do differently uh, mm. over the last two years? I think, I mean, we, we, we did some of this over the past couple of months because we wanted to sort of redesign how we position ourselves from our website and as part of that we kind of looked like reevaluated what our values were how we wanted to project ourselves how we want visitors on our site to see us and how we kind of were portrayed so I think we did cover that last couple of months but how I'll do that again I think it's just about I think uh, there's a lot of personality within the company itself yeah I think you have to show that to be almost unique you need to show like your personal aspirations and what you want to achieve not just as a company but in yourself and what you enjoy working on and I think that should be kind of displayed by your company like as as the brand almost mm. yeah I would I would have loved to um document a bit more particularly like from two years ago kind of the growth of the business and and how we started out obviously that's one of the reasons why we started the podcast was to kind of try and document our business but also um just generate hopefully interesting content but i wish we did that a lot earlier on because it probably would have been a bit more impactful um and and that could have formed part of the brand because i think one one of our aspects is that we're quite transparent we're quite uh genuine and Mm. i've quite like I would have liked that to be shown a, a lot more earlier mm-hmm. on. The best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time is today, and here we are. What a quote. Here we are. Who said that? Recording the podcast. It must have been a wise man. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think when we when we first built the brand and the website, I think the website is, is quite heavily in how we try and position ourselves anyway. Um, don't know if it should be, but that's kind of how we've, we've thought about it. And I think we use other people who are in the same position as an inspiration quite a lot. Um, and that kind of helped us focus sort of it, it kind of pieced together almost where we wanted to be we had lots of ideas of what we wanted to do but seeing others and seeing what other people are doing um, and how they position themselves from a web and from like an external point of view that kind of helped us to make push things together yeah well, one uh, hot debate that has happened over the two years is whether we should focus on a niche more mm. at the moment um we we kind of publicize ourselves as being quite generalist and being able to tackle any problem and whilst that's true and and we are really adaptable it's quite hard to market that because people sometimes don't understand you know if they're going out looking for a specific developer for a particular framework um they are looking for that keyword they are looking for that specific set of of skills and whilst we have those skills it might not come across evidently but then obviously you will be shutting out potential leads elsewhere so yeah we've always had that debate where we go down the niche thing and so i guess if we were to start again maybe we'd try that to see if it's any different um but that's yeah you know that's with hindsight but um i don't think it's really limited us not having a niche uh at the same time but you never know over the two years, how has the technology industry changed? Um, both in a kind of a macro sense, you know, how's 
the kind of technology that people are using, what clients are requiring changed? I would say it's gotten a lot more realistic and back down to ground. I think two, three, even four years ago, it was very, you know, everyone was shooting for the stars, trying to go big. And everyone thought that's the only way you can really make it. And I think in the last two years, software generally it's starting to hopefully become a bit more acceptable to charge for your software to get monthly recurring revenue to build sustainable businesses that grow slowly over time and rather than having those big kind of unicorns that you're trying to shoot for everyone's kind of wising up and trying to build kind of softer sustainable businesses that might not seem as exciting um, but they are because they, they show constant but small growth and I think that that's kind of the main difference and it also means that there's quite a lot less people as well because a lot of people don't really dream for that they now are dreaming maybe for you know being a big influencer or you know having a youtube channel with um way more hits than it should whereas instead of kind of trying to develop the next hot app yeah. or software yeah i was going to say there's a lot there seems to be a lot more um yeah, like SaaS-based companies, like off, but offering more like niche products and yeah, sustainable businesses. Really, I, I think in general, um, the projects that we've worked on that are kind of aiming to get revenue have, have been platforms that yep. we built and offering something B two C. I think that will continue think i see that over the next couple of years um but in t- yeah in terms of mobile tech as well because we because we did we are mobile focused um that's what we say on the website um and the mobile products that we've worked on um i think prior to the two years like bef- yeah like three or four years ago i'd say we did quite a bit of like, social networks and um hooking up with instagram and that sort of thing but now uh, last year we did a couple of like augmented reality apps and image recognition um, and yeah the 3D modelling space maybe yeah I, I, yeah, I mean quite a hot topic now the, the amount of power that you get on your phones mm. um, yeah compared to two years ago is phenomenal what you can do uh, and we st- we're seeing those applications um, particularly in business as Steve says VR uh, AR Model 3D modeling is is really growing, and yeah, it's, it's also going to be exciting to see where that that goes, and hopefully, a, as support grows, it will become more mainstream as well. Yeah, I think one of the the key things as well, just something that we picked up on in the office is uh, the new style of website that every product has. <laughs> I know Alex is a big fan of the illustrations. You know, like if you're on Intercom or the illustration side. I think that's a big trend this yeah. year. Yeah. I, I'm trying to work out if there's a name for it. I haven't I found it I think there yet. is. I think I saw it the other day. I can't remember what it was. But um, I saw like a really big corporate using it on a, uh, like a billboard. <laughs> Someone said, like, oh, even these guys are doing this now. <laughs> so um, maybe that's over soon. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, it will change. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to see what. I still think there's a gap in the market for a little coffee coffee table book. The evolution of web design. Yeah. There's all these little trends. Yeah, I mean, yeah. W- I'll buy that. Yeah, I mean, recently, um, obviously, it's now 10 years since um, 
the App Store launched and people have been doing a lot of comparisons over time of how apps have yeah, gone yeah. through uh, UI changes. And yeah, I mean, that's something obviously we have to keep in touch with. Yeah, very interesting. Um, <coughs> luckily, until... Yeah, luckily the last few years it's kind of stabilised on iOS and Android has kind of tried to push things forward. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Apple seems to always set a standard with that. Mm-hmm. You know, as controversial as that statement is, I think that is the yeah. truth. And, and yeah, technology differences. I mean, we always had a a thing where Android would always take longer to develop than iOS. I do think that it's slowly closing that gap now. Almost at a point that it's equal. I don't know. Maybe we'll try that soon. But um, yeah, I, I think previously in where we've worked, we've always said I uh, take X amount of time longer to do on Android because of restrictions and various design change, like design influences and testing on all those different devices. But now I think it's becoming a bit more easier. Yeah. And a stronger platform to develop on, which is good. Have you noticed any large changes in Reading in terms of the technology scene? Yeah, startups, tech? Yes. I think so. I think That's it's a, a lot bit stronger. Yeah. Bit of a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a lot stronger now than it has been. Um, I think two years ago, I'd say, if you asked me where the startup people were hanging out, I'd say, you know, grow at Green Park. Um, but now this spread it they're kind of all over the shop now yeah there's definitely um, been a large growth and there's, there's definitely been an increase in the amount of companies that are now getting access to huge amounts of funding or have been bought by very um, significant companies yeah and I think that's kind of a sign that there there is growth and there has been growth in the last couple of years in Reading sure as many podcast listeners are aware that are aware that we we work on internal product here at Airbus. Have you found the balance between doing the client projects and work and working on these ventures that that we've been working on? Uh, I found it hard. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was about to answer hard. <laughs> it's um, yeah, I think we 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 knew when we when I kind of went full-time that it was going to take a while before we could start working on internal things um, because we had to generate the initial capital and uh, make sure we were kind of stable as a company before trialling new ideas and, and things like that. And we have reached that point, which is good. Um, and I think over the last six months, year, we've slowly managed to get a bit more time as a company to spend on internal products um, and tried to resource it appropriately. Um, personally, I found it hard to spend time on internal ventures. I think my focus has been a lot more on the client side of things. Um, and whether that will change over a couple of months, maybe. Mm. The thing that surprised me the most was when you talk to other agencies, pretty much everyone has the same approach or had the same approach of they always want to pivot to pro- product or they always want to build an internal product that brings yeah. in substantial revenue I think it's the same in other industries as well like, like creative design you know I want to design stuff that, that I want yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely and I think it's just a it's, it is a mindset that we struggle to balance with sometimes 
but at the same time we've also shown quite a lot of promise in in that we can deliver these vast amount of products and it's just a case of being able to dedicate the time which as steve says hopefully now that we've hit this momentum of two years we can uh, capitalize and and do that i think the one of the best things we did was maybe a year and a half ago now we created a come what we called it it's like a well it's, it's like a business plan but we called it something special the master plan the master plan and there we kind of outlined what we were going to achieve in the next year in the next three years next five years I know this is pretty standard for a business but that helped us <laughs> crying <laughs> you're proper <laughs> crying <laughs> what is it emotional do you want to get a tissue you're proper crying <laughs> Is it emotional? Oh, it must be. <coughs> hitting, hitting hard with these questions. And that made us feel accountable to make sure that we achieved each goal that we set out in that kind of year-to-year plan. Um, I, th- I think that kept us on the right road, almost. Yeah, it, it made us um, try and take the approach of making it again a sustainable choice a planned choice um and but also a realistic one it doesn't expect us to be able to build one product tomorrow that works and has market fit and generates enough profit to keep us all paid it was more let's you know go and try loads of different products um a certain amount per year and that grows year on year and it kind of makes it does make the assumption that one of those will stick or at least one of those will stick but that's obviously an assumption that we're we're passionate about is is a fair one so for people who are maybe doing contract work or freelance development work at the moment that want to kind of pivot and you know be independent creators of their own products and create revenue generating products for themselves what tips would you have for them i would um, think uh, strategically and kind of slow it down a lot I think you get so hyped up when you start thinking of an idea and that, that's great for like development and things like that but it's kind of plan it in the long term and make sure you plan it to your current workload um, and not just say because then you, you start to feel like demotivated if you don't spend enough time on it but if you plan it and you make sure you spend X amount of time each week or um, each month on this product then I think you'd get more and more motivated if you believe it and say oh, I wish I had more free time to work on this then you'll just like think you'll just feel demotivated all the time yeah another thing as well is commit yourself by telling um, someone or a group of people about it about your idea or about your product um, or about what you want to do and then you always get accountable so yeah, you feel some social pressure to get that done yeah i think there's there's places now that do indie hackers is really good community now for those solo entrepreneurs and developers that want to build something i think the support network is there is really strong um i know product hunter have launched something today yeah called Um, mentors i think makers makers yeah and it's similar to whip chat work in progress right um but yeah these kind of communities are really good and things i've discovered probably like the last three months you know, kind of getting, slowly getting into this network of 
you know tech people in in the uk but also everywhere yeah and, yeah and and you can learn from those people as well because you again when we were talking earlier about these growth of these businesses they're not overnight successes they're hard grinds to get where they are and if you if you immerse yourself in these communities you start to see that yeah and you, you start to see these people you talk to people and you go how many users you got and they go oh one mm. or zero yeah. and you're like oh, okay you know everyone that you're there in the same boat yeah and you also start talking to people oh i've got 10 customers and it's like okay how did I, how did you get there and you start <laughs> yeah, breaking sure. it into smaller milestones and 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 you, you can learn off these people and it's just a bit more realistic than going to hacker news and finding like oh how i got ten thousand users yeah. in three days by growth hacking reality is it's not really like that yeah in addition getting to know these people is when you start to understand you know their business problems as well and then you can start to think creatively and how how i can maybe help help these people is a is there a product for these people and a lot you know there's a number of people in these kind of communities that are making making good good businesses out of you know selling to selling to the community right yeah absolutely and and most of our products ideas or product motivations come out of problems that we have sure running in it running an agency style business whether it's you know testing or um marketing side of things you know it's always elements that we are flirting with during our day-to-day and and they inspire us to come up with good solutions and i and i'm really confident that that's going to be a product that helps pivot us and and so that's why we probably won't ever move away from that agency style um completely well you know whether it's in the consultancy way or whatever because we still want to be able to have those problems sure yeah to <coughs> relate to so a final question which links to what you just mentioned slightly and links back to that master plan is what does the next x years look like at airbyte and I was going to say two years, but I'm not sure if you wanted to kind of... In our first year, our aim was to get um, uh, enough kind of client work under our belt, a lot of products that were built and delivered, um, and some capital to then give us time to work on internal stuff. In our second year, we started experimenting, um, experimented on quite a lot of products as people know from the shelf, um, a previous episode season that we did, a quick plug, um, and the shelf was just a philosophy of let's trial a bunch of ideas and see which ones we kind of have passion through and want to research and want to develop further. So uh, kind of this, this second year has been a lot about exploration and kind of trying to find the focus of what we want to start building like properly um i think over the next year we'll kind of do a lot more of that but more actively as as a individual project in itself um i think the the split will be a lot more closer to uh, i don't want to say 50/50 but almost 50/50 in development work and t- time that myself and Ross and the guys here that are working on will be a lot more kind of focused on this is what we want to deliver as an internal venture and we'll hit kind of targets and have similar targets to what we have from the agency side in terms of like sales and marketing and, and things like that so I think we'll we'll start transitioning the side of the business 
Yeah. And yeah. It, it's a plan that will change over time, obviously, yeah. in uh, a year's time, we'll evaluate kind of where, where we're at, have we achieved what we have. Science Steve and I do very re- fairly regularly is, is sit down and say, like, are we on track? If not, what, what do we need to do to be there? And, and kind of reprioritize or restructure that plan based on that, um, whether it's if we need to be more aggressive or less aggressive um, as to how we get to the goals that Steve's mentioning. I think as ever as a whole, the the long dream is always to have um, product entities under the airbyte sort of umbrella, as you will, and each of them kind of generating revenue and having a, a separate team on each product, um, and then we can explore kind of joint ventures of other startups and start building up a network through that. And yeah, that's that's kind of the dream. Okay, so that's a wrap then. It's been good to reminisce and look back. And reflect over the past two years. I think it's a very good exercise, and you know, one that can be done through a podcast and shared is even better, maybe. So yeah, that's it for today's episode. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the reflection there, Steve. I did. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, tune in for the next episode.